Michael Douglas takes Annoying American Abroad to a whole new level. Welcome everyone to Rebooted! The podcast where we are recasting classic movie reboots so Hollywood doesn't have to. This week we're talking about 1989's Black Rain starring Michael Douglas, Andy Garcia, Ken Takakura, Kate Capshaw, and Yusaku Matsuda. Nailed those Japanese names. Loved it. Um, this was a movie I've been kind of wanting to do for a while, ever mm-hmm. since I caught it on HBO while I was trapped in an Atlanta hotel room for uh, seven months. Um, I think it's weird. I think it's a very strange <laughs> movie that seems to have been forgotten by um, pop culture in general. Yeah, it's weird in that it is an early action movie that feels like it's parodying something that doesn't exist yet. And it's also unfunny rush hour. <laughs> There's something maybe I shouldn't ask. What, what? You can, you can ask me anything you want, Master. What do you want to know? disturbing things I hear about you in New York. couple of guys I used to uh, work with in the department took some money from some drug dealers. No big deal. They stole? They, um, they liberated funds. Theft is theft. There's no gray area. <laughs> hey, Masa, New York is one big gray area, okay? I think all you need to know about this movie, you can understand by finding a clip on YouTube and then reading the comments from it, because it's all people who I'm assuming are middle-aged men who feel so strongly about how this movie made an impression on them as a youngster that they had to come to YouTube and be like, Wow, yeah, like now that I now that I look back on this as an adult, I get it. I get what Michael Douglas is saying. <laughs> and I don't know how to feel about that. I don't know I don't know that this movie could make a strong impression on anybody, but it really has. It, it it's something that you said um at the top of the episode of like this feeling like a movie is parroting a movie that had yet to be made like really feels so on point because like it is in a vein of like classic crime like manhunter heat kind of like obsessed detective mm-hmm. vibe but we don't okay like two things it 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 doesn't feel like it No, my point is that like <laughs> it it like we don't see that a lot anymore and so like watching it is very yeah. strange being like oh yeah I forgot about these movies where like the good guy and the bad guy like stare at each other like longingly in front of a, like an interrogation glass and like and there's this- lots of scenes where like Michael Douglas is just so angry he's so like, angry he, he needs-, needs to get this guy so bad he's so committed yeah and it, it it's so wild to watch it now because you're just like the like the the theme of masculinity or like or, or misplaced masculinity is 
off the charts in this movie. And off th- the fucking charts. I'm glad you're the one who said that. And I think, too, what feels especially odd about this movie is the notes, heavy notes of imperialism that Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia. Okay. You've probably never seen this movie. Michael (laughs) Douglas and Andy Garcia catch a Yakuza crime guy in New York and they got to take him back to the police in Japan and they're going to deal with him. They stupidly lose him. And because (laughs) in the most insane exchange of anything I've ever seen in my life. And then Michael Douglas is so upset that like, He's the guy from New York. He knows how to get his man. These cops, they don't know what they're doing. And they try to give him a partner who's Japanese. No way. These guys don't know what they're doing. And he fights it every step of the way. And that's sort of like, no, I'm American, buddy. Trust me. Yeah. I got this. Yeah. And it's like shades of The Last Samurai. Shades of, yeah, Rush Hour. A lot of ways. Like the culture (laughs) class. Is real so this was made in 1989, and I feel like at a time where like Japan was still in many ways, quote unquote, like foreign. Like it it was yeah. like we don't know anything about Japanese culture. Today we're like like it, if if this happened today, if like a police officer went to Japan, he'd just be like, Yeah, I'm in fucking Japan. Like the like right. whatever. It's all fine. Michael Douglas is literally <laughs> like he might as well be on Mars. Like, but it's not like the film portrays like Japan as strange or weird. No. But it's just Michael Douglas and Andy Garcia are just like, what is happening? Where like yeah. I have to take my shoes off in this are crazy you out of your mind? country? <laughs> And that's what's so fascinating is I don't know if this is how people felt when they were watching it in 1989, but right now I'm like, I'm fully on like Masa's side. I'm like, this guy rolls, like you have so much to teach him. You can lead him. Like they're just, I, I care very little. I think about the American characters. I was just like, yeah, I really just want the Japanese characters to get the respect they deserve because they're the ones who are going to seal the deal. I like, We'll get way more into this movie after the introduction, but like I, I, you're really not rooting for Michael Douglas so much as you're rooting for Michael Michael Douglas to go home. Oh, where you're yeah. like, can he just get yeah. the fuck out of Tokyo, please? Let's like, just please. finish the this. amount of damage he has <laughs> caused. The people and property of this nation is out of control. It did not have to be this way, and I feel like that is the theme of the whole movie, especially. When Andy Garcia gets decapitated in the street. (laughs) Over a coat. It does not have to be this way. (laughs) Uh, Welcome everyone to Rebooted. I am Brian Flynn. With me as always is Kenneth Trent. Kenneth, how are you? I'm doing great. Great. We're doing great, guys. We're yeah. back for another for another class. We, we, I can tell <laughs> in my bones it's going to be a classic episode where we're going to take a, uh, a classic movie and reboot it as if it was to be remade today in 2022. And man, do we need movies more than ever. What a fucking year. But we won't get into it, guys. We all know what's happening. <laughs> Actually, we don't know what's happening because this is going to come out in like a week, week and a half. It could so be even worse. We might be underground, all of us. It might be rain of fire, dragons coming oh out of the gosh. earth. Ay, ay, ay. Um, Wouldn't that be wild? 
honestly, this is what we talked about when we did Rain of Fire. There will come a day when we are begging for dragons to come out of the earth. And we are, I am, we're close. I am we're just so close. there. We're so close. Um, anyway, so we'll, we'll get into Black Rain in a little bit, but we have to talk about some reboot news. As always, uh, Hollywood has run out of ideas. The well is pretty much dry, so we're we're you know we're 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 going back to yeah. If you made a movie in the '90s and it is not currently being developed to be a series on a streaming platform, you've done something wrong. Because that's all yeah. that's happening. You know how like when music, when like n- like music that you grew up as a child with, like suddenly becomes like classic or like fashions of when you were like you know like straight like like straight like jeans like. Like a grunt, like a lot of 90s stuff is like in vogue now, which is very strange. Mm-hmm. I am waiting for like, I'm waiting for them to be like, we're going to remake Fight Club. <laughs> we're going to, re- we're going to remake. Uh, I literally can't think of an early 2000s movie. We're going to remake <laughs> American, uh, American Beauty. We're just going to remake I thought you that. were going to say American Pie and I was like, oh, 100% they're doing that. They made like nine of those. I'm sure they're going to remake it. It is interesting you say that because- I always keep my I'm usually listening to like podcasts in the car but when I'm not like when I unplug my phone at the end of the day I'm always listening to K-Earth 101 which is a classic station and in my head I'm like classics hits of the 70s 80s maybe some 90s no I heard Natalie and Brulia's Torn on there the other day and I was like 2002 late 90s for sure and i was like oh this is this is like this is on the same radio station where we will hear like 70s disco yeah 80s new wave yeah torn well i've quit you're listening (laughs) to the radio (laughs) no i'm just saying when I unplug my device, <laughs> it's that time when I unplug my yeah, device, yeah, yeah. but I haven't opened the car yeah, yeah, door yeah. yet. You know that magical time. I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, Spotify has it all sorted by decade. <laughs> um, so what's on the docket? Okay, here we go. Um, Blade Runner 2099 live action sequel series from Ridley Scott. Oh, look at that. Ironic. Ridley Scott, director of such movies as Black Rain. Um Ridley Scott, Silka Luisa, and Alcon. Alcon. <laughs> Alcon okay. in the works at Amazon Studios. This is from Deadline reporting. A Ridley Scott, who directed the original 1982 Blade Runner movie, is executive producing the series Blade Runner 2099, a follow-up to the feature film sequel Blade Runner 2049, which was released in 2017 and directed by Denis Villeneuve. Uh, Silka Luisa, showrunner of Apple TV's upcoming Elizabeth Moss-fronted drama series, Shining Girls, is writing and exec producing Blade Runner 2029, which comes from Alcon Entertainment in association with Free Scott Productions and Amazon Studios. Um, Blade Runner TV show. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've been on record saying this, but I think Blade Runner, the original, is one of the most overrated movies I've ever seen. You definitely on this podcast have voiced your displeasure for 2099, 2049. Yeah. I thought it was beautiful, but boring. Yeah. I I really enjoyed it, but I watched it in like installments as if it was like an mm. HBO maxi series. So like every hour I was pausing it. So I like, and I really loved it. Like in, the, in that way yeah. of watching it, it really was well, way better. 
maybe this is maybe this is how this is gonna work. Maybe Ridley heard my, yeah, not my not my plead, but uh, <laughs> he said you're right. He's like, yeah, I, I made a really fucking long movie. Actually, I, he didn't make it. Den- Denny Villeneuve did. But the original, I think you're right. I think it is one of those overrated quote unquote cult classics that like. Before I ever saw it, the way people talked about it, I was like, wow, like, I'm going to love this. Yeah. I I think this is right up my alley. And then watching it, I fully did not understand the hype. And so then getting more with 2049, it's like, okay, I, I, this is a, a vast world, but how much more are we mining from it? I'm so curious what the story for a continued world looks like episode to episode yeah uh so i'm trying to remember 40 like so the original one is very much about like replicants and like do robe i mean it's based on the philip k dick um do androids dream of electric sheep so it's very much like commentary on like what is sentience what is alive like mm-hmm. um who has the right to be alive who is the right to be considered human you know the follow-up i believe was very much like oh yeah replicants are like Oh, God, I can't even remember it. It's like now there's like an AI in the mix and it's like it very much it's kind like of more of the same. Right. Where like yeah. the whole original, you're kind of like, who is Harrison Ford? Is he a replicant? And he doesn't even know it thing. And it's kind of the same thing. Right. Like Ryan Gosling is doing more of what he did where he investigates Replicant. replicants pretending to be humans. Yeah. And it's like, what is his secret I don't fucking know. I don't this movie it. was so boring. <laughs> you didn't even meet your own kid. Why? Because that was the plan. I showed them how to scramble the records, cover their tracks. Everyone had a part. Mine was to leave. Then the blackout came, paved over everything. Couldn't have found the child if I tried. Did you want to? Not really. Why not? Because we were being hunted. I didn't want our child found, taken apart, dissected. Sometimes to love someone, you gotta be a stranger. I don't know. I don't know what the show is about. I don't know what it's going to... Um, talk about thematically. I'm probably going to watch it. I'm very excited for Amazon basically buying up every IP that's that not owned by Disney. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a lot of Lord of the Ring stands are up in arms about this that new Lord of the Ring show. I'm going to watch the shit out of it. Oh, like, yeah. Can't be worse than The Hobbit. It really can't. Uh, don't say that. <laughs> it really can't. Um. Yeah, I mean, I look for... I. Look forward to men on the internet telling me how I should feel about Blade Runner 2099 and great. Uh, you ready to talk about it? Let's do it. Guys, this is a reboot of Black Rain. I was him. When the B-29 came, my family lived underground for three days. When we came up, the city was gone. Then the heat brought rain. Black rain. You made the rain black. 
and shoved your barriers down our throat. We forgot who we were. You created Sato and a thousands like him. I'm paying you back. Hey, you want the plate? You get me close to him. You have no part in this. I promised the other Oyabuns there would be peace. They don't have to know. I'm bound by duty and honor. If you had time, I would explain what that means. Michael Douglas basically cowboying his way through Japan was kind of the main reason. Like, I really wanted to watch this movie. And you know what? I, we talked about this a little bit over text that, like, this movie feels like it's four hours long. It does. It's not that long. It's not that long. But it feels very long. It feels like every day you're living in, like, Michael Douglas's character's life. Mm-hmm. Every day is about a day long. And I don't know why that is. Like, yeah. it's not a boring movie. No. It's just, like... It just feels like it takes forever. Yeah. And some of it might be like the scene we just watched. Like you, I spent the whole movie kind of thinking like, okay, I get what this movie is. Why is it called Black Rain? And then we get into the idea that when he kind of has to confront this like big boss in this huge crime organization that he explains to him that the big problem, obviously, that they have with, like, Americans trying to meddle. Actually, now that I think about it, it's kind of genius. Because <laughs> <laughs> what he explains is essentially, like, you know what happens when America's... America's? <laughs> you know what happens when Americans get involved? Yeah. You destroy our country. You ruin our environment. You bulldoze over us. You kill our people. You eradicate our culture. And. And our sentiment, like our sentimentalities and like just. Which is what Michael Douglas is doing kind of. The whole time. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. All right. I get it. <laughs> That's actually pretty good. That's good. I'll give him that. Um, this I'll, I'll say this. This is one of the pieces of trivia that I found really interesting. And, uh, you know, it's IMDb, so take this with a grain of salt. But it appeared twice, so I'm, I'm assuming it's true. The film's plot was the original plot of Beverly Hills Cop 2, which what? was directed by Ridley Scott's brother, Tony. This was going to be a Beverly Hills Cop movie. Huh. And then, I, I don't know, maybe the studio passed and was like, uh, we're not sending Eddie Murphy to Japan. So, no. How are we going to do Beverly Hills Cop in Japan when he's from Detroit? So, they were like, <laughs> no. It's true. Um, it's true. So, then, I don't know. I guess brothers helping brothers. And this became Ridley's uh, first successful film since Blade Runner. He had since directed a series of flops. And this was seen as the movie that, like, re- re-energized his career. And then he made, um, oh, God. Um, Thelma and Louise? Thelma and Louise, thank you. He made Thelma and Louise after this and it basically, like, set him back on the right course of acclaimed director. It's so interesting because this movie is 
pretty like stacked like not walking into it not really knowing much about it the opening credits are like whoa now you have my attention directed by ridley scott Jan DeBont is the DP, incredible action DP and director, director of speed. Hans Zimmer's doing the music. Mm-hmm. Hans Zimmer on the ones and twos. Mm-hmm. Their first collaboration. I'm I'm in. Like I'm watching this initial motorcycle race that's happening. And I'm like, I don't get that. But I get that I trust every single one of these people. Four minutes in, you get a Louise Guzman sighting. Ah! Louise Guzman is in this movie. <laughs> Eight minutes in, you get Steven Root. And um, oh god, I forget his name, but another another cast member of Office Space. Nine minutes in, you get um John Spencer. Yes, like you're getting cameos. You're getting A plus cameos, and then when they go to Japan, you're getting like A list level Japanese celebrities. Like mm-hmm. Ken Takakura was the biggest Japanese actor of the time. Mm-hmm. Um. Yusaku Masada was, like, also, like, a huge celebrity. And, like, it's crazy to think that, like, this movie, I had never even heard of this movie until, like, a few months ago. I, the only thing I know about this movie is that when I was in grad school, we, um, I directed this short that I wrote with a friend of mine about a guy who goes on a set visit for a movie reboot of a movie like Black Rain. And so we used the poster of Black Rain as the inspiration for the poster we created for this fake movie. Mm-hmm. I'll have to see if I have it somewhere because it is pretty much exactly the same. But I remember staring at it a lot. And um, that was our... Where's my like USC stuff? I still have a physical copy of this thing, actually. <laughs> we should give it away. We should, it was <laughs> no. To the to their fan. <laughs> Our fan. If it's you, step up. <laughs> um Black Rain, directed by Ridley Scott, director of such movies as Alien, Gladiator, The Martian, Blade Runner. Um House of Gucci. <laughs> uh, the Last Duel. You may not have seen The Last Duel because you're a millennial too busy texting on your phone like Kenna is right now. Um, I mean, Academy Award winner uh, two time over. How many? How many? He won for Gladiator. He's, yeah. Um, brother of Tony. R.I.P. Oh, yes, it says. Okay, I found it. Yeah, okay, okay, that's exactly the poster. But doesn't the poster also look like the Terminator poster? Or but also Purple Rain a little bit. A little bit like, like Purple Rain. Yeah, like it's, it's this weird blend of like neo-noir. Like it, like, like. You look ne- at it and you're like, I don't immediately know what this movie is. I just don't. There's nothing after that. It's just like, I don't know what this is. <laughs> Uh okay, Black Rain stars Michael Douglas as Nick Conklin, Andy Garcia as Charlie Vincent, Ken Takakura as Masahiro, Kate Capshaw as Joyce, and Yusaku Matsuda as Sato. Uh the uh conniving up up and coming Yakuza boss. Um yeah, I mean we we we've kind of talked about this movie in a broad sense. So do you want to just dive into cast yeah let's get into it okay um 
I guess I'll go first. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael Douglas is basically just he's he's a character that is like completely. It's like a passe cinematic trope. Yes. Al Pacino and Heat. Um, what's his face in Manhunter? Like uh, Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs. It's like this yeah. this a person who relentlessly needs to find killer X, gangster Y, mm-hmm. bad guy Z, whatever. Right. It is that sort of like you're right that it is bygone in the way that it's like this is kind of what we hope the police are like like there's a detective on the case who is not going to rest until he gets his man and so you know you're going to get justice because this guy is so singularly obsessed with this case it's just gotta happen and that's not really what happens in the world and so it's this sort of like caricature of this like tough New York guy who, you know, he's divorced probably because he's too committed to the yeah. job. Yeah. And he's a little shady. He took some money on the side because his kid needed braces. <sighs> like there was a time when it was like, oh yeah, I get it. Like the working man who's really like he's really committed. And so we appreciate what he does. Now I'm just like, dude, go to therapy. <laughs> But he, what, what's so great about Nick in this movie is that, like, I'm not going to say he becomes Japanese. That sounds insane. But, like, he, he like, he, he, he finally understands what honor means to their culture, mm-hmm. what honor can bring to your life, and, like, transforms from a gunslinger American cheeseburger fucking... <laughs> nightmare (laughs) yeah into a guy who's like he's literally bringing home gifts for his kids he's like he he say he doesn't murder the man who murdered his partner Mm -hmm. he brings him to justice he becomes part of the system because he's learned that lesson and i think it's like it it's it's basically i mean it's what the movie's about but like we don't see that that often so it was really hard to cast um an actor that people like enough to be like i yeah am i gonna want to watch this person act like a clown like an american asshole for (laughs) you know 80 minutes and then the last 10 is like this redeeming story so it it was a little tricky um who you got well okay so in a weird way i was trying to you know make this movie a little more current but I still feel like I picked someone that's that may that may be kind of a, a little obvious. Like I ended up picking Charlize Theron. Oh, because like she in my mind is I mean, she's an action star in her yeah. own right. But she, like, she's like a like Academy Award winning actress. Um, she commands performances. She's someone we want to watch. Mm-hmm. Like this is a role I would definitely want to see her do. Yeah. And um, I don't think this movie needs to be so male-driven. Yeah. Um, so I I was like, I think she's someone that I would definitely want to see do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, while still maintaining, like, what this story is actually about. Is it weird that I chose a South African? Does that matter? No. No. 
She gets what America's about. She gets what <laughs> she gets what colonialism is about. America America doesn't deserve to have someone in this movie. Just kidding. Um I think that completely makes sense. I'm struggling with it because I did not think outside of the box for this, but I think you're right. And I weirdly think that this would actually, a role like this would be a great move for her post major Fast and Furious franchise villain. <laughs> Which she's great as. Like yeah. it, it it's, She elevates. It's, it's super cool to see her do that. But like, we all want more from her. Like we deserve more from her. She, we know she can do more. Like, and you don't make a movie like this anymore. Like, no. you really don't. So I, I think that would be like, and I really think you're, fun. You're right. The biggest challenge of this is that you have to be willing to go on a journey with this person because, genuinely, I think most of the time I was just like, I don't care because Michael Douglas kind of seems like a deadbeat, mm-hmm. like an angry deadbeat, and I'm not convinced. He's great at his job because he fumbles over everything in Japan and is just rude and mean to the people trying to help him. And I want to be on his side. And I struggled. The police will find you. We are the police, Charlie. You are foreigners. Nothing more than interested observers. Go home, detective. You know, about an uptown minute of throwing you an international incident. It's going to make your head spin. Until you sign off on this dickhead, his ass is mine. So we either work on this thing together, or I'm going to the press, I'm going to the embassy. Yeah, I'm going to fire up such a shitstorm, you're going to wish you never heard my name. And so I think I think you're right in that you have to choose someone that you want to watch, which I would watch Charlize do anything. She's incredible. I think for me, I wanted to pick someone that I was like, who, who is the real version of what Michael Douglas is trying to be? Mm-hmm. Like, who is the person that I genuinely would believe is just having a rough go at things? He's. I like how you are kind of subtly dumping on this person that you're about to pick. No. Who but... is a loser <laughs> who we all know is a disaster? Like, who is someone that if I look at them, I'm like, ah, man, they really seem like they're just down on their luck. I'm not like, what a dummy. Like, I sincerely hope he fails and gets sent back to America. I want to root for him. But I'm also like, ah, yeah, with the divorce and the kids, I get it, buddy. Um, And so (laughs) all of these choices, I feel like, are directly um, affected by what I'm watching right now. So I picked Toby Kebbell to be my Nick Conklin. Been watching Servant. Think he's great. Oh, okay. Think that he plays the sort of stressed out, determined, mm-hmm. like sort of sort of scruffy, doesn't play by any rules, maybe. <laughs> he was an early favorite on this podcast, I feel like, for a bit. Like back back a couple years ago, great. he was like, Oh yeah, Toby Kebble. He just played an ape. In the Planet of the Apes. <laughs> wow, remember he when Planet amazing. of the Apes was like high cinema? <laughs> yeah. Where did that go? Um, but yeah, it's good to see him back. I I haven't seen him in in anything he's done recently. You say he you say he's in the he's in the Servant. <laughs> he it's so interesting that he's cast in something like Servant because it is such a small thriller. Mm-hmm. But I, he is one of the most sympathetic characters. I think, and it's really fascinating because when I look at him, I don't think I would have been like, yeah, I'm going to cast him as like 
um, food savant and loving father and husband and really like there are certain things where I'm like, I just don't know if I would have slid him into that place, but he's doing it. And so every time he's like struggling and stressed and freaking out because there's a cult stalking him Mm -hmm. who tried to take his baby. It's (laughs) I, I, I think he's great. And I agree. I think he was an early favorite. And he's someone who has maybe slipped out of the zeitgeist a little, you know what, but he's really good. You know what stinks is like, he is a very good actor. And like, maybe because he showed up in that stinky, fantastic four movie stinky. that like people are, I don't know. Like, I don't know why he's not in more like big, like big movie stuff. But mm-hmm. I do think I've seen him in a lot of things. And like, he is really, really good like talented actor. So uh I think that's a really interesting pick. I uh I guess I was expecting <laughs> someone more stinky. Someone someone <laughs> Well, it was funny just the, the lead in was like ah, we just want someone who just sucks, you know, that you know just is awful. I was like Toby McGuire? No. <laughs> No, but he's actually you, a very nice person. Can't you in my see experience. Toby Kebbell being the kind of person that like we encounter him on his worst day and we're like, yeah, I get it. But then the whole time I'm like, you're any day now. <laughs> you're any, turn this you're, around. Things are going to start looking up for you. Um, I think that's great. All right. Should we move on to Charlie Vincent, played by Andy Garcia, who couldn't be more Italian in this movie? <laughs> Like, honestly, it's very true. the first thing, like one of the first things he does is like take off a sh- his like leather shoe and is like, <laughs> babe loves shoes. I read it in a magazine. You're like, the use of oh the God. word babe in this movie is like a joke. Like, it's <laughs> like they. It feels like they made it a joke. It is. It fe- it's one of those things where like when you look back when. We were in school in like the 2000s and they were like, oh, we're having a we're having an 80s party. And we were like, oh, yeah. What did people say in the 80s? Awesome. Totally. Like, it feels like that babe, is babe. what's happening. He calls everyone babe, doesn't babe, it? Babe. Yeah. Babe. babe, babe. Um, it is very like I can see him with the hands. And hey, there's a scene. OK, OK. There's a scene in this movie. It's really it's an excellent scene where like Nick and Charlie go to get drinks after like Nick has like an interview with like internal affairs about his potential crimes. And like he's stressed out and he orders a whiskey. I'm pretty sure Charlie is eating a plate of meatballs and drinking a glass of wine. Like as the Yakuza come in and like murder someone, he's he's like like, literally like has to put down his like his Merlot and his meatball. And he's just like, Hey, um, it's true. He is like he, he like is, rolled off the Godfather three set onto <laughs> this movie, and was just like he's truly like good time Charlie. Like in all the ways that Nick is high strung and stressed and very forceful, Charlie is like, and no big deal. Yeah, hey, Nick, calm down. Yeah, Charlie. Charlie is a bit of an enabler, but like. Uh, he's definitely he's he's generally like a good guy who's just like, you know, it, it's not a big deal. He's babe, also babe, big- stupid because <laughs> I would like to in a reboot of this movie, we really need to give Charlie more credit because where they are, 
coming at they're coming out of a bar. They've had some dinner, had some drinks. They're walking home, he and Nick. And they encounter a ne'er-do-well on a motorcycle. Charlie starts acting out. And then the guy takes his coat and he runs after him by himself, fully into a trap. He knows that's dumb. He knows that's dumb. He should not do that. Nick also shouldn't be sort of like lazily running behind him like, ugh. It's fine. We'll get you another one. It's okay. You are a literal idiot if you just go chasing by yourself this guy on a motorcycle trying to get your jacket back. I, I, he should like. That is such a like non-human behavior of just like, well, I don't know. He he takes off and he's by himself and they corner him. Like. No, he would not have done but that. Kenna, you're not from fucking Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you didn't grow up right off the F train. No, I would say this. If that scene, because like, as an audience member, you see it a mile away. Oh, because, 100%. Like, the scene before that, he's like legit singing karaoke with Mons, like endearing himself. He's like mm-hmm. bonding with him. And you're like, I don't think Charlie's long for this movie. <laughs> yeah. And the next scene, yeah, he falls in this trap. <clears throat> and it's very drawn out. It's very, very like kind of like bullfight. Like he he does this weird thing where he likes to bullfight <laughs> people on motorcycles. And the, this scene is shot like a bullfight where it's like yeah. the engine's revving. The bull is like digging in the sand. And Charlie's like, come on. But like. Oh, God, what was I going to say about this? If that scene had taken place, like, the first night that they were in Japan, it would make more sense. Because yes. it would be like, hey, m- like, you dumb dumb, you're not in America anymore. Like, yeah. you're going into places you don't understand. This happened, I think, like, an hour-ish into the movie. And, like, they they have a target on their back. They're the only two American yeah. cops who are deliberately hunting. They a know Yakuza who they are. Boss. Yeah, yeah. They know their names. They spent a 12-hour plane, a 16-hour plane ride with the guy who's coming after them. Commercial. Knows, commercial. <laughs> they shared headphones. <laughs> he knows everything about them. I agree. He's a, he's kind of a dumb dumb, but he's 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 a good looking guy. He's got a good Listen, face. Ladies love him. Like you don't have to tell me about young Andy Garcia. Yeah, truly. Um. Okay. Who did you pick? So I picked someone, and this was kind of out of left field for me, but I liked the idea that Charlie could potentially be the lightness, where Nick is like uh-huh. the heaviness in this movie, and I ended up picking Rahul Kohli, who is the guy that you have seen. In uh, Mike Flanagan's Many Adventures, Bly Manor, Midnight Mass. He plays Sheriff oh, in yeah, Midnight yeah, Mass. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, he honestly came to mind because I was just, like, scrolling through TikTok and his TikTok came up. And he was just having a good old time. And I was like, this guy is fun. This guy is fun. And he's a dramatic actor, but he's having some fun. And so I just, I saw it in my head. I was like, I want him to be the sort of, like, the yin to... Nick's Yang, where yeah. it's like where he can't seem to take it easy. Charlie's there to do karaoke with Masa. Yeah. Um I I I have only seen this guy in Midnight Mass, and he was so good in that. Mm-hmm. Um I haven't seen him be like super funny because the the role in Midnight Mass is very like 
town sheriff gotta do the right thing help the neighbor like right. uh, do, 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 do. um but in terms of like his performance in that it was it was amazing um i think that's a great pick okay i ended up picking um maybe because i am also watching things with him in it uh uh i'm gonna butcher his name arian moyad moyed from succession and that anna oh. uh delving show with he is an actor that i have seen pop up in so many things I mean, at he was this in point fucking spider-man yeah yeah he was in in the new season of love life he was one of the main character's friends he's great i mean he's so like charming even when he's playing like a piece of shit like in succession, he's like a billionaire who's like trying to take over the family's company, but he's also like the son's friend and he's like mm -hmm. very funny. He plays like a, a government agent in Spider-Man who's like so funny with all the kids. Um, I think he just has like a natural charm to him that I, I think you do need like someone to cool down Nick. You yeah. know what I mean? Like someone who's like when... Like, when you watch them together, I, I honestly feel like this, like, watching actual Black Rain where you're like, thank God Andy Garcia is in this movie. Because oh, yeah. if it was just Michael Douglas going insane for, like, an hour or two hours, you'd turn it off. Like, he, he yeah. is so, he's such a great sidekick that um, it, it, it kind of really changes the movie when he leaves it. Like, it becomes, like, yeah way more about and i and i do love like moss and nick's whole relationship about how they like just hate each other's guts the mm -hmm. whole time but then they lose they both lose charlie and you're kind of like i hope these two fall in love you know what i mean like i hope these, <laughs> hope these two guys you know ma sit down join us superintendent oh has you'd like to see you in the morning superintendent oh has you'd like to see me give me a break <laughs> Can you smoke a little piece by here, guys? Everybody was doing the right thing, right? We're all partners now. Mas, please join us. Um, so that's what I picked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> These two fall in love. Um, I just think that he's uh, he's just a charming actor who's who's making it big. In yeah, his... I'm all in. Yeah. Uh, all right, shall we move on to Masahiro, played by... I, I keep saying these Japanese names like an asshole. <laughs> I don't mean to. I just, I kind of just like Japanese names. They're, they're very. I don't like, think that one was super bad. I don't think you adopted an accent. I think you were trying to. I was just giving it a little spice up the pronunciation. A little zhuzh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Masahiro played by Ken Takakura, who was a massive, um, Japanese star at the point where, like, they were filming on streets in Tokyo, and it was a problem because people just kept coming up to him asking for autographs, and they were like, "We only have so much time to film these shots." And um, Michael Douglas was like, what? <laughs> it's like, huh? Moss is the, basically the heart of this movie. He is everything Nick isn't in ways that you see that you think is detrimental to the case, mm -hmm. the the journey, the the chase of getting Sato to justice. And then you realize, like, he is the moral center of the movie. And yeah. Nick is a raging asshole. And <laughs> when, you know, the airport scene, when they get their guy, you know, it, you know, it, it's one of these things where it's like you get a little bit of your peanut butter, and my chocolate. I get a little chocolate, and your peanut butter. Mm -hmm. And when they become partners, it's it's the perfect 
thing that you need to take down Sato and like their yeah. bond over Charlie's death and like um um Moss understanding that Nick is now not like a shady as fuck cop. Even though he does fully admit his crimes to him. he Well, okay, yeah. He fully admits <laughs> the crimes. And at the end, definitely steals the plates oh, yeah. from... He makes Masa implicit, complicit yeah. in his further crimes. But there is something really nice that it's like only... Nick only trusts Moss. Like, it's like... Yeah. He doesn't trust anyone in the... Because he's been had before. <laughs> <laughs> He's been duped at an airport before, so he's not going to repeat that mistake. That, <laughs> so stupid. Um, yeah, I, I think this is the part where I was like, oh, this is like where if this was Rush Hour, this is the most fun of it. Where you realize that like Chris Tucker is only going to find the guy when he embraces the fact that Jackie Chan has the key to help him get there. Like their knowledge combined. Yeah. Captain Planet. We're doing we're making mm-hmm. it happen. And that's the magic of like when Nick realizes that Masa has the knowledge and the know-how and knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he combined with like the passion that Nick has to like get this done and maybe sort of the dirty cop vibe to like go have a meeting with the crime boss. Bold move. But <laughs> like that's like that's the thing where I'm like, this is this is magic if it's done well. Yeah. So whose turn is it? I think it's my turn. I think it's your turn. Um, so there's a very famous Japanese actor. He was on my list, but I'm not gonna say his name because I assume that you picked him. I went with a slightly less famous Japanese actor because okay. um couple reasons. He's he stars in a lot of these like American action movies okay. as like small parts, but in Japan is like a very like he's known for a very like dramatic and like mm-hmm. emotional actor. Oh, I ended up picking an actor named uh I don't know if I'm gonna do this right. <laughs> uh Tadanobu Asano, who he's in all the Thor movies. He was in Battleship. He was in <laughs> Not um, Battleship. <laughs> he's in uh a lot of like historical movies, but he was in a movie called Ichi the Killer, which is probably his most famous like Japanese movie. I just think he's like a he he like comes off screen as like just a very mm. stoic and earnest. Well, maybe not in Ichi the Killer. He played a psychopath. But um, okay, 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 okay. Um, I like the pairing with him. Like, like just physically, he looks so much like. I mean, yes. Any Japanese man is going to look different than Charlie's fucking therapy. <laughs> but uh, I, just, I don't know. I just saw them as like two people who kind of are, are they're, they're, they're just, you know, they're just different. They, they mm-hmm. look very different. And so like that visually, when they finally like come together, I think would be like really interesting to see. Yeah. The like opposition of. Oh, you know who he played? He was Raiden in yes. Mortal Kombat. That's where I saw that on Google, and I was like, okay, I'll know him when I figure out who he played. <laughs> in Mortal <It's>, Kombat? <clears throat> I've seen that movie so many times, guys. <laughs> um, I think this is really great. Again, like I feel like the challenge of this movie is that 
you want to be true to like what they did in the movie, which is like cast somebody who is a tremendous Japanese actor mm-hmm. and and also can carry that sort of dramatic weight of being the moral center yeah. of the movie and being the one that, like we said, like that we're rooting for. Like uh-huh. when all else fails and we kind of lose hope in the Americans, we look at Masa and we're like, he he's going to figure it out. I saw you take the money. You saw me take the money, huh? You want us like trying to get something done around here. I've informed Ohasio of your crime. He's spoken to a captain in New York. You know the kind of man you are. You dumb fuck. You don't know one thing about me, all right? Hey, listen. It's you and your self-righteous bullshit, man. It's gonna cost me my goddamn job. Hey, hey, I'm talking to you. Um, okay, I picked an actor, honestly, that I've never seen in anything before. But what? But I found um this list of the most popular Japanese actors mm-hmm. in Japan. And the way that 30-something women talked about him and his acting, I was taken. And so I was like, you know what? He's 100%. He's 100% coming in for an audition. And I'm just going to go for it. Okay. I picked Hiroshi Abe. I'm assuming that's how you pronounce it. Very famous Japanese actor. I've seen this guy pop up on lists. This guy looks like... A more square jawed like Bruce Lee, who's Chinese. But like I was truly taken by the fact that everybody who described him was like, he can do anything. I would trust him with my life. How attractive is this man? <laughs> he can be funny. He can be dramatic. Like the way people were taken with him, uh-huh. I was like, okay. That's all we need is the buy-in of the people. You know, I... Okay, there's so many things swimming in my head. First of all, <laughs> you've never watched him perform. That, I feel like, is a, a first on this podcast. Sometimes you just gotta feel roll like the dice. One of our cardinal rules was, like, you gotta know who this person there is. There are but... no rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he was on, like, every... Because it's so hard to find for um, international actors. It's like, you're just like... Japanese actors in Hollywood, famous, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Russian actors, famous uh, South African actors. Fam- like, what? anytime right. we're trying to find a nationality, you're just like, I don't know. I don't know any. Like, he, <laughs> I don't know anything. <laughs> I don't know anything. But he was constantly number one on every list. It was like mm-hmm. this guy. And it's just like, how have I never seen him in anything? How have I never seen him? Like. He's got to he, like he's got to be in a Star War or a Harry Potter soon, right? Like he, it's just like he must have been in a Star War. That's how what I always think is like as soon as someone is as soon as people are like this actor is mm-hmm. talented, it's like get him in a Star War, get him in a Marvel movie. You know what's interesting though about Japanese actors is that Hollywood is now like suckling at the teat of China in mm-hmm. a way where for it felt like several years it was like how can we possibly shoehorn in a famous Chinese actor or a storyline that is like specific to a Chinese audience. And so for a long time it feels like we were getting an influx of 
Chinese actors and actresses that it was like, I've never seen this person before, right. but they're huge. And so like we are playing to the millions of dollars we're going to make in that space. And that's not how it works for other like I feel like. In other like Asian countries, like Korean actors have definitely had their own moment because their cinema exists like on another plane. Mm -hmm. But with Japanese actors, I was like, wow, it feels like I'm digging because there's just not much of a spotlight put, I think, on Japan in general. I think you're right. And the last thing on this guy is like, he is who I wish I looked like on a good day. (laughs) Like, this is the example of like, oh, okay. Just do what he does. A thousand push-ups and crunches. It's very like, it's a very sort of like trustworthy, approachable. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to Joyce, played by Kate Capshaw. Um, Who what's funny is like, I really like Kate Capshaw in like her earlier movies, but like, man, has she, she's just like, we need a, we need a dame at a bar. Yeah. At a seedy bar. Kate's good for it. Let's just get her down. Like It is not at all playing to the fact that she's very talented and good in this movie. Like she's one of those North stars in the movie where you're like, oh, okay, good. Yeah. Somebody's going to be giving a performance mm-hmm. right now. And not everybody was in that mode in this movie. And so I, I loved her. I do think you're right. There is this sort of stereotype of. Yeah, she's she's the woman who knows everybody, runs everything. Maybe she's getting a little something on the side from all these mob people. Yeah. <sighs> Did she retire from acting? I'm, I'm looking at her IMDb and it's like... Is she okay? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's like from 81 to 2002. So twenty, she had a 20-year career, but she married Spielberg. So it's like... Maybe it was like one of those things where it's like... She wanted to raise a family. She wanted mm-hmm. to be around her kids more. Like, she didn't want to play the fucking game. Like, I mean, she I, put in her time. Yeah. Um, It's weird. It's like this character is like a less funny version of her in Temple of Doom. Oh, it definitely has the same. It's the same vibe. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Uh, who did you pick? I picked, again... Very much influenced by what I'm watching right mm-hmm. now. I picked Rachel Brosnahan, star yeah. of The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm-hmm. And I think what struck me is that I like her so much and I've never cast her in anything. And mm. I think she sort of works as the... I know we're trying to say that we're getting away from this character stereotype, but she, I think she works as the person that like when you see them in the club and you're like, oh, an American in Japan making a living, running this whole place. She has that sort of like presence and know-how where you're like, oh yeah, she's the one. She's Joyce, no last name. Like (laughs) she is, she's, she's the go-to person. Yeah. She's, she's like, if all the characters in Casablanca rolled into one character. (laughs) (laughs) And I hated, I'll say this, I hated at the end that there was this sort of like obligatory kiss. kiss. Yeah. Where he's like, thank you for all your help. And she's like, you're welcome. And yeah. then they shake hands. And then she kisses him. And it's like, it's very much. It, <laughs> he's divorced. Divorced, yeah. It's very much like, well, I guess she's a woman and he's a man. And they're, they've been, there's that sort of like sultry air to their conversation. So I guess they have to kiss. They really didn't. Right. 
They really didn't. It's it's it was like if you're in for a penny, you're in for a pound. Like just lean into it, make it a romance, like make it a thing where it's like these there's a charge between these two, so that when the kiss happens, you're like, ooh, are they going to like continue this mm-hmm. like later? Is this something where like Nick comes back to is like what I'm invested in this. But instead it was just like, yeah, it's like and kiss and then he goes away and then yeah. we'll wrap up then the credits and then everyone gets drunk at the bar like yeah <laughs> it, it really i agree it, it did feel like it felt like in the moment it was scripted like they shake hands and say goodbye and then ridley was like kiss him kiss. <laughs> no. and she like goes kiss. in and as just gives him like Kind of a friend zone kiss, in my opinion. Like, it was very, like... It was just very much, like... Goodbye. This is it. Yeah, see you later. And in that case, why? Right. Why do it? Um, I ended up picking, again, you know, I, I also fell victim to the moment. I ended up picking Ariana DeBose. Ooh! Uh, from West Side Story. And she just got cast in, a, oh, fucking Craven. Craven for Sony's Craven movie. Craven the Hunter is a Spider-Man. Is it, then their stupid oh. offshoot Spider-Man villain <laughs> world that no one cares about. Um, yeah, I just think that she, you know, I saw West Side Story recently. And, you know, boy, was I pleasantly surprised, weirdly. Um, Kate Capshaw's husband can really direct a movie. Um, <laughs> but I thought she was, like, so good in that movie. Mm. And, like, I thought both of the women in that movie were, like, the shining stars. And... Um, she just seems like a woman who would be fucking cool enough to own a Tokyo nightclub. Yeah. You know, like girl from Chicago who's just like, I'm going to fuck out of here. I head to Tokyo and rub elbows with the Yakuza and the fucking whoever and just. She runs the show. Keep it chill. Yeah, keep it chill. That's so interesting. I I definitely think I when I saw West Side Story, I didn't love it, which I think is purely my bias that like. West Side Story has never captured my attention. I mm-hmm. think it's kind of boring. She, I 100% agree, is like a shining star moment in the whole movie. Yeah. And is one of those people where now you're like sitting up paying attention. Like, what's the next thing we're going to see this person in? Because I want to watch them do more stuff. And I think you're right. Like, that's the kind of charisma you need to be like, like you said, the sort of like, the the lonely dame running the place uh-huh. warning nick not to not to get into it with the yakuza <laughs> cuz it's not worth she it she warns him so many times she's like just drop it bud yeah. like relax <laughs> go let home. the police she literally says let the police handle it and he's like, I am the police. Or I don't know. Oh he doesn't gosh. say that. But you know what I mean? He's just like. That's the vibe of the whole the movie. Whole he's just like, I, there's no fucking way I'm going to let these guys do it. Like, they don't know how to take this guy. Like, I don't know. It's such a gray area. I am a gray area. <laughs> yeah. I've been living in this country for seven years. And I still can't read the headlines. Yes means no. Maybe means never. You didn't answer my question. How do I get to him? Let the police handle it. No one's going to help a Kaijin. Kaijin? Yeah, a stranger, a barbarian, a foreigner, me and you. More you. Okay. All right, bud. <laughs> um, all right. Let's move on to Sato, played by Yusaku Matsuda, who tragically died very shortly after the movie premiered. 
he kind of like pulled a. I mean, I can't believe I was going to say this. He pulled a Chadwick Boseman. He was suffering from cancer oh. the entire time he was on this movie shoot. Didn't tell anyone. Hmm. And later, you know, after the movie was shot, he was like, so he he had bladder cancer. Working on the movie definitely worsened it, but he was just like, at least doing the movie, I will live forever. And mm-hmm. he passed away, I think, like four four weeks after the oh, movie's wow. premiere. So this is like his last film. Dang. He was usually typecast as a cop, while Ken Takahura was typecast as like a mobster. And in this movie, mm. they were reversed. That's fun. Um, I thought Sato was a psycho. <laughs> like an oh, absolute. Oh, 100%. And like... An amazing throwback 80s villain, like blue blocker sunglasses, <laughs> a crazy ass flat, spiky flat top hairdo. Yep. Leather big, duster. Big check. shoulders, leather duster. <laughs> uh, baggy zoot suit pants. Check. <laughs> um, Barely talks, just kind of looks. Kawasaki motorcycle. <laughs> check. Um, man, did I love it. He's just like, what I, what I did like about this character though, is that he is weirdly a dark reflection of Nick. Like in many of these movies, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the hero and villain are very much tied to one another. Like. So true. Um, the scene where he goes to the meeting about basically like, he wants to be made a boss. He wants to be like a made man in the Yaku- in the eyes of the Yakuza mm-hmm. world. And the Yakuza is all about tradition and and system and, like, rules. And what is Nick? He's a cop who wants to do it his own way. And the yeah. NYPD is just a bunch of systems and a bunch of rules. Like, he just wants to be left alone to do his own thing. Yeah. Like, he just wants to be able to take money from drug yeah, dealers you know, and so not get what? any shit about it from eternal affairs. Yeah. You know, like, my job. I was, uh. Anyway. <laughs> but, 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 like, you see that they're, like, of the same coin, which is, like... Mm. Really poetically done in a lot of ways and really ri- ridiculously done in other ways where their fights never ended. You know what I mean? Like they, no one could ever kill the other one. They really fought for an, a comically long time. Yeah. Um. Anywho, I ended up picking an actress named Rinku Kikuchi who was in Pacific Rim and Westworld, the TV show. Um... I just thought it would be interesting to see someone. Well, I wanted to keep that idea that it's like the hero and villain are very much the same. So like making Mm -hmm. Sato a woman would be interesting. Seeing a woman in the world of crime would be a lot more interesting. And as an actress, I think that she she plays a lot of like levels. And I think Mm -hmm. giving Mm -hmm. her a villain role would be kind of interesting. I admittedly did not finish the season of Westworld she was in. So I don't know. Was it the second one? Yeah. I didn't either. Don't remember how that one kind of resolves itself. But like, I thought this would be, I thought she could be formidable to pair with Charlize. Yeah. You really got to like, you got to cut a good shape. Wait, she was nominated for an Academy Babel. Award? She's in Babel. Really? Yeah. Um. Yeah. I think that's really smart. You th- definitely thought about this way more than I did. <laughs> and I appreciate your version of this so much because of it. Because Charlize needs someone mm-hmm. on the other side that is like the, that is, it's her, you know, on the other side of the page and what it would look like if she had not been a cop or something like that. Um, Okay. 
I picked for my Sato Brian T, who has played a villain in many movies. This guy's been in everything. The Wolverine, he's done a Jurassic World, he was Shredder in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> and my personal favorite, he was DK in the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. Oh. Love him. And he has settled into the Chicago universe. (laughs) And (laughs) plays a doctor on Chicago Med, which great. Absolutely get that check. But this guy has worked. And so I think as someone who uh, definitely can stand on the other side of mm-hmm. Nick in this movie. I'm like 100%. I'm watching this guy. I'm captivated by this guy. Um, I think the only... Okay. I saw him in Jurassic World. Is he one of the trainers? One of the dino trainers? I think so. Um, Or is he one of the... Is he like one of Vincent D'Onofrio's mercenaries? That never says. Um, Okay. Yeah, I I I like this pick. I'm trying to remember the Ninja Turtles movie. I don't think I. I don't really. I definitely watch it. Tokyo Drift. Yeah, he's just in a lot of stuff that I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely saw the Wolverine. Uh, I've definitely seen Tokyo Drift. Um. Brr. Uh, I've seen Bones. Gold member. Wow. Starship Troopers 2. Crash the TV series. Crash the TV series. Oh, my gosh. There should be a whole podcast about that show. I'll say this. If this guy's working this much, he definitely can do it. So, great pick. (laughs) Fun with Dick and Jane. Wait. I don't remember. This is crazy. I don't remember anything he's in. But, like, I definitely have seen him. And I trust this pick. I think it's great. Great. Done. Nailed it. What a a home run way to end this podcast. (laughs) However, we have one more cast member. Guys, where does Barry Pepper go? Shit, I forgot about Barry Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) You can pick it up on the fly. Um, I made him uh, John Spencer's character, Oliver. The like mm-hmm. police chief mm-hmm. who reprimands Nick for just being a piece of shit cop. I mean, here's the thing. That's that's the that's the key because we love Barry Pepper. If there's an opportunity for Barry Pepper to be a cop, we're all in on it. Mm-hmm. And also, it is one of those things where John Spencer cameo, you're like, ah, John Spencer, John love Spencer. this guy. Miss that dude. Hope to see him again. Doesn't come back for the whole movie. <laughs> and so that's where Barry Pepper lives. We make him Oliver and we're like, it's so strange how this movie is credited. Nobody has a last name. No one has a last name. Um, We make him Oliver and it's like, ah, Barry Pepper, great. Hope we get to see more of him. Absolutely not. <laughs> Bing, bang, boom, in, out. You got peppered. Yeah, peppered. <laughs> um, I don't have any notes for this movie. I think we we did a pretty deep dive into Black Rain as like one of the most forgotten action movies <laughs> in cinema history. I do want to give a shout out to what I think uh, were really incredible one-liners in this movie. Um, this movie tried to create moments, I think, where they were hoping 
that the lines would become iconic because of the way they're said. Uh-huh. And I picked up on that, but I was like, nobody remembers this. Some class, some classics. Sometimes you got to forget your head and grab your balls. <laughs> okay. Another one. Classic. The t-shirt prints itself. <laughs> if you pull it, you better use it. Yeah, I remember that one. <laughs> I remember that one being like, yeah. Okay. <laughs> There was something like weird about it, yeah. but you were like, someone really thought they were doing something. <sighs> and then a personal favorite, I usually get kissed before I get fucked. <laughs> All of these lines seem like they're in fake movies. <laughs> yes, exactly. What was another? There was another one I really liked where it's it's like the, the emotional crux of the movie where he's like, sometimes you just got to go for it. Oh, like, yes. Nick says it to Moss. Before he goes to like raid Sato, the meeting with Sato. And then and it the comes Ma- back again. And then Ma shows up and he's like, sometimes you just got to go for it. And you're like. <laughs> it's not a specific enough line. We, yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, Murph man's here. Murphy? Um, yeah. You're like, I'm sorry. I know. I know this like is a small moment, but like we can do better than this, right? Like. Okay, wait, wait, wait. What if the balls line okay. was this moment where he tells Moss, like, sometimes <laughs> you just got to grab your balls and sling it and gun it, whatever what was it? <laughs> forget what it was. The one you're thinking of is sometimes you got to forget your head and grab your balls. Yeah. Which is weird. It's like that line has already been used in the movie. Why are they trying to come up with the exact same line later on? Which is like, is not as good. Now that I'm saying that this line is Shakespeare, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's almost like it's almost like one of those things where you're like, and then he says something like, sometimes you just gotta go for it, but like we'll come up with something better. Yeah, yeah. On the and day. then they shoot, sometimes you just gotta go <laughs> for it. And later they're like, crap, Fuck. we were gonna make that a little more impactful. Yeah. It has it has the emotional punch of like Trust goes both ways. Right. And you're like, yeah. Okay. That was on a plaque at Marshall's that Thanks I saw that. a Karen purchase a bunch with a bunch of candles. Like, <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. a platitude that doesn't mean anything to these two people. Nothing. Um, would you remake this movie? No. I'm, I think the time for this movie has passed. I'm a yes. <gasps> I think in this duration of this podcast, I'm like, you know what? I think I think I miss this kind of bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I think I need it. I think I want it back. All right, folks. Thanks for joining us this week on Rebooted. If you like this podcast, please check out our past episodes. Please check out our next episode whenever that might be dropping. Ken and I are very busy Hollywood people. Who knows when that might be? Yeah. But we plan on sticking with it as long as uh, the universe lets us. Um, please tell your friends, your family. Uh, your Japanese Yakuza mirror who you can't seem to let go until they face justice. Um, can a, a, where can people find What us? a great way to connect with other cultures. <laughs> you can find... <laughs> I'm dying. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Stop by and leave us a rating and a review. That's the best way to help us out. Oh, we're also on Spotify now. This is very professional. Um, you can also- we're pro Joe Rogan. <laughs> 
podcasters going to stick together. We joined Spotify <laughs> when everybody else left because we said free of speech. Um, you can also find this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Rebooted Pod. Maybe, maybe this time I'll post something about it. Who knows? Got to tune in to find out. Of, I don't know if you've been on Twitter lately. There's a lot, a lot of, a lot of slow move, like car crashes we're watching in real time. A lot of discourse. Yeah. Okay, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Up and down, huh? Up and down, in and out. Okay, come on.